0: I'm fully prepared for the repercussions of what I'm about to say. Guitar is a bunch of nonsense. Like, you can play the same chord in, like, like four or five different, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not linear. It's not intuitive. So I feel like it's a horrible intr- instrument to start on, and it's not good for songwriting. <laughs>
1: Guitar Villains is brought to you by American Musical Supply. Just visit AmericanMusical.com for your unique coupon code. This is just for listeners of Guitar Villains. Anything you need, whether it's picks, guitar strings, cables, a capo, all those small little accessories, all the way up to the big stuff, like a new guitar, an amp, all the gear you could ever want is at American Musical Supply. They also have no interest financing, so you can play now, pay later. Use the link in the description for your coupon code to use on your next gear your purchase thanks to american musical supply for sponsoring guitar villains now let's get to the show hello and welcome to season two episode two of guitar villains thank you for joining me on youtube or you can also listen to this podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever else you get your audio podcast we have yvette young on the show today She is an amazing guitar player, the front woman for the band Covet. She also has her own solo work in the guitar and piano realms. We're going to talk a little bit about piano at the very end of this podcast. I think you're going to want to stick around for that. Of course, timestamps are linked in the show notes down below. And we also have maybe the most controversial statement of any Guitar Villains episode ever. It's It's the title of this podcast. Don't read into it too much until you actually hear the context. That's important with these types of things, right? We don't form opinions based solely on article headlines, do we? Well, I guess you can if you want to. But I would recommend listening to this entire podcast. It was a great chat. We talked about everything from an Instagram influencer, what that means, all the different tunings that Yvette likes to use. Of course, she's a signature Ibanez artist. We're going to kick things off with maybe the weirdest story that's ever appeared on this podcast. Uh, Without further ado, let's get into it. Guitar Villains, Yvette Young. Welcome to Guitar Villains, the show where we deconstruct and decode the guitar. And Yvette, I have to ask you, what is the weirdest thing that you've ever seen on the road? So you've toured a lot with your band. You've been on tour with a lot of different great bands. What's the, not the coolest thing, not the worst thing that's ever happened. What's like something truly weird that comes to mind? It can be paranormal. It can be just the weirdest thing in a weird country or a weird All state. Right. What could it be?
0: Hmm. We've certainly stayed with characters on the road, like especially like DIY days, where you just some person approaches you at a show and, you, and they're like, "You can stay at my place," and mm. they're like an angel. I don't. I don't want to like expose who this is but no like, no I, keep I it confidential tell, I will tell a story I'll try not to like expose <laughs> 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 just in case they're listening. But um so we stayed in this one house and when I went in I immediately was I was just impressed. I was like wow this is a very um extravagant mansion for and how old are you? Like what are you a drug dealer? Maybe like, are you, are you? Did you inherit wealth? But it's none of my business. So, but it, what struck me uh, as strange about this house was there was just like beautiful sculptures or like crazy artwork everywhere, and then like a huge photos of like the same girl, like everywhere. And I was just like, who is this person? Like, is this even your house? Like, this is weird. So everyone else went to bed, and I remember asking, "Can I take a shower?" And then this person was like, "Yes." you can take a shower and I, I, there was like seven bathrooms. So I tried one bathroom and the water didn't work. It just came out like a drops. And then I tried another bathroom and then I went through all seven bathrooms and none of the bath, the water didn't work in any of the bathrooms. Uh-huh. So then I went back to this person. I was just like, uh, is there like a secret to your shower or something or getting your water to flow? Cause, um, it's not working. And then the person is like, Oh, that's weird. Huh? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, what? Your- I was like, do you even bathe like how you live here? You have seven bathrooms, and none of the, the the water doesn't work in any of them and like you you live here, like I don't know. And so then it got weirder because uh I started getting I just wanted to like uh ask questions and get to know this person because I was just fascinated by their opulent waterless mansion, and th- they had this one room with like, super expensive guitars like crazy prs is like hanging everywhere there are, like hundreds of them and then this person was like you know i'm thinking of quitting guitar uh you can have all these guitars and i was just like I, is this a, te- a test like no i don't like i don't want your guitars like you should keep them <laughs> like <laughs> you know and then at one point he was like or, sorry this person was like, <laughs> this person was like read, go to the bookshelf and i was like okay
1: are you about to go through a bookshelf right now?
0: No. Okay. <laughs> that would be cool. But he, this person was like, "Take out that book over there," and I was like, "Okay." Mind you, it's like 3 a.m. right now, and I'm I just decided that I'm gonna stay up all night just interviewing this person because I'm like I'm pretty convinced that they're criminal. Like, yeah. you know, like this yeah. is that this is this isn't their house, and I'm staying at some like psychos' person. <laughs> Maybe they killed the the, the um, people who live there and are just squatting. But um, yeah, I pull out the book and I open it and it's filled with money, like thousands of dollars, it's like a hollowed out book. Mm. And then they're like, you can you can have this. And I was just like, no. <laughs> like, <that's
1: What>? just, <laughs> Wait, and, and can you explain exactly how you ended up in this house? I didn't catch that. So they uh, were at uh, your it, show.
0: This person went to a show and offered their house to us.
1: Oh, OK. OK. So you were yeah. originally going to stay like at a hotel or something and. Or what was yeah. the deal?
0: Hotel or something.
1: And the, and they were like, "Come to my mansion and party, and you can stay there."
0: Uh, they didn't even say party because if okay for us, like a uh, uh, red flag is when someone says come to party because we none of us want to party. I can rest like I can assure you that we're all so tired and like yeah. fed up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That we sleep <laughs> so like he didn't even mention party. Like it was just like you know you, we ha- we have a lot of room.
1: So you open the book of money, and then what happens?
0: They were like, you could just take this. I know it sounds like I'm making this up, but I was like... (laughs) I believe you. Yeah.
1: You have no reason to lie.
0: (laughs) It's so bizarre. And then I started asking how they made their money, and they said they were an entrepreneur. Mm. So whatever that means.
1: Yes. uh, I'm an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. It was it was wild. And so I didn't take the money because I felt like it was a trap. And and uh I feel like when someone offers you something for free, there's always expectations, even if they don't
2: If it's too good
1: it. if it's too good to be true, then it is.
0: Yeah. And it's like I know yeah, I feel like maybe it's like uh maybe I was being tested. Like <laughs> if I take this money I'm like uh like, a selfish, greedy person, but if I don't take it, like, maybe a, a ghost will come out and be, like...
1: Shouldn't have know. done that. Now you'll <laughs> <Right>. never escape.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Wow. But, yeah, anyways, long story short, I did not take the money in the book. I was, like, this isn't my money. and I like to earn my money, you know? Like, mm. I feel better. That's not to say that, like, if I stumbled across, like, a treasure chest of, of gold, I wouldn't, you know, cash it in, but, like, all I'm saying is that, like, if someone's going to give me this much stuff, I, I just don't feel comfortable at all. Like, it's just, it makes me feel icky. I'd rather just, like, earn it, like, the good heart, the good, honest way. Um, but yeah, I stayed up with this person talking. But, um, and then we, we never talked again.
1: <laughs> well, sh- the, I mean, if you had to have one interaction with that person, that might have been the best one.
0: Yeah. I feel like maybe it was like a ghost, like testing me. Like, yeah,
1: like, are you sure that you actually weren't just sleepwalking, and all that happened?
0: Yeah, it was just a crazy acid trip.
1: Okay, (laughs) makes sense. (laughs) Wherever you were playing, somebody dips. No, yeah, you know what? That is, uh, that might be the weirdest one we've had on the show. (laughs) So, congratulations on that one.
0: Thank you. Uh, We've had a lot of really crazy things happen on tour. But yeah, that one certainly stuck with me because I was just like, "What was that? Like, that's so strange!" Like,
1: <laughs> Is, have have you encountered any ghosts or no?
0: Um, no ghosts. I don't think. I don't think any ghosts. Um, we've drive we've driven around in sketchy places that certainly felt like we would be murdered. Ah, yes, uh, classic. Yeah, we one time woke up in a cornfield. Uh, just it, our gps took us into a cornfield it's <laughs> strange
1: children of the like a bunch of kids coming around like looking in your window like hey <laughs> oh, i'm thinking
0: like flying saucers like signs M. night Shyamalan comes out like <laughs>
1: yeah the black figure <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah we've uh, we've caught, we've gotten the bird play bird flu on on tour before that oh. was it wasn't weird, it was just awful. <laughs> yeah,
1: that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that story. That's that's really cool. Uh, we do things a little bit differently on this show, that we're going to play some games. I'm going to try to get to the bottom of what makes you tick as a musician. And the show is called Guitar Villains, because villains, I think, are just as cool, if not cooler, than heroes. And I've always found that the characters are a little deeper and more memorable. So the first thing I want to ask you is, out of all the movie or comic book villains out there, who would you say you identify with the most? This could be simple as appearance or as nuanced as a character trait that you may share. Huh. If you'd like, I have a a couple choices that I picked out for you while you think about it.
0: Okay, yeah, I'd love to hear your because I actually thought about this and I, I, I struggled a bit.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It's not it's definitely a weird question. But it yeah. it reveals things about people I've found. So I had a couple deep cuts and I'm not sure what your preference is for pop culture and in the hero and villain realm, I have some, some kind of strange tastes, but Keep in mind these are all positive spins on these villains. I don't think you're you're a bad person. You might be like one of the nicest people as far as what I've seen. So there's a (laughs) maybe. Or or not at all. Okay, here we go. Uh, There's Andariel, the Queen of Blades, from the Diablo game series. And then there's Oren Ishii, aka Coppermouth, in the Kill Bill Volume 1 movie.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But I think. The most suitable villain for you is Maleficent. Now, okay. the powers that I think kind of resonate with you are hypnosis, which you can sometimes write these hypnotic riffs on the guitar that kind of doesn't have a beginning or an end. Uh, and, you know, the time signatures that you use sort of lend themselves to this cyclical motion where it's like a hypnosphere. Uh, you also have the ability to conjure objects through your artwork, potentially. You can kind of just create anything out of nothing. And uh, maybe the coolest thing, most importantly, you seem to be someone who appreciates mystical creatures, if nothing else, for their artistic nature. And Maleficent's powers come from a phoenix.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, the bird thing I identify with. I've never seen Maleficent, but so far... What you're describing really hits home with me
1: right on yeah We're, did you ever own a bird maybe
0: i actually own several birds i uh i have 10 chickens currently and a parrot and i i grew up hatching lovebirds um from eggs and i'm just covered head to toe with bird tattoos so
1: wow okay so i think that one that one nails it then you are yeah. your doppelganger is maleficent
0: oh i have a duck too i forgot to mention that
1: like right now you have a duck
0: yeah, I have a pet dog. His name's Mr. Flabs.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. What are you and you're in California, so do do you have like a bird room or do they just walk around your house?
0: Um, they actually own the house. Ah. I'm sorry, no. uh, <laughs> they're, they're in the, they're in the backyard. There's like a little aviary thing my mom built um and they kind of just roam freely. It's great because we we have a bunch of food scraps left over and we just toss them to the birds and they happily gobble it up and then they lay eggs in return.
1: Wow. That sounds fun.
0: Yeah. Being a bird owner. It's like a little slice of country life in suburbia.
1: Totally. So, first things first, I have a couple softball lobs for you. I call this segment burning questions. These are rapid fire questions. And they don't totally matter, uh, but for some reason they must be answered. Are you ready? Uh First question is, what gauge pick do you use?
0: Oh, I barely use a pick. And if I do, I probably use like that green Tortex one. Yeah, yeah,
1: 0.88.
0: Yeah, that one. I I only use it for tremolo picking for texture, but I I really never use a pick.
1: Yeah, I was wondering how you would respond to that. Uh, Uh What gauge strings do you use?
0: I am um, I'm, I'm <clears throat> mostly play tw- 11s and 12s, but um, I had a bout when I was using 13s, and they thrashed my fingers, so I downgraded.
1: What is your number one guitar currently?
0: Ooh. Um, really like my orange sparkle Talman.
1: What is your favorite amp currently?
0: I really love my AC-10.
1: Finally, what is your favorite guitar pedal?
0: Ah, um, yeah, depends on like for what reason. Um, I guess, can I give you two answers? Sure. Okay, um, for like fun tones and galore, I guess I really like, um, Maybe the the Walrus Juliana, that one's really cool. I, I just am a sucker for chorus. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I always try upbeat stuff with that. And then, in terms of like maybe just a cool, clean tone platform, maybe just like even something as simple as like the Warden compressor, because I feel like you can get all kinds of like depth in your tone despite adjusting certain parameters on that one. But maybe even like the Electronic Audio Experiments Longsword, which is a gain pedal. With built-in EQ. So I feel like it's just flex, tonal flexibility.
1: Yeah, I like all the The Warden, isn't that, uh, what is that, Earthquaker?
0: Yeah, it's Earthquaker. Cool. It's an optical compressor, I think.
1: Ah, yes. Okay, very good. Let's move on. This next segment is called Name Those Notes. So the concept is pretty simple. I'll play you a quick sequence of guitar notes from songs you've recorded over the years, and you have to tell me what song those notes come from. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> so, Oh, we'll, sorry. Uh, oh no worries. Sit. We'll see how oh. well you, uh, you know your catalog and your guitar playing.
0: <sighs> oh, boy.
1: <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Everybody has the exact same reaction, and then they all just knock it out of the park, not to put any pressure on you
0: i think it's just like listening to myself which is stressing me out
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah i get it i get it No, this will be fun here we go uh
0: is that parachute
1: yes it is okay
0: sweet that's like the gainy wow what a weird part
1: (laughs) you know what's so funny i normally start easy and go to harder but that's actually yeah. the shortest clip that I've ever got like started first and the reason is this seg segment right here that is that chord and I don't know if you think about it like this but that chord sounds to me like the heaviest chord possible on the guitar which is a major triad on the thickest three strings <laughs> and True. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have a, a whole philosophy on what the heaviest chord is. Like people might say stacked power chords or whatever. It's actually, a major triad is like the thickest, kind of girthiest sound. And it sounds like that from If My Ear Training Serves. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if it's because of the alternate tuning that that chord came out or if you were targeting that or whatever. Um, but alternate tunings is kind of what I want to get into in this little... Segment because I know that's sort of your trademark.
0: Well, I started playing in standard and I started writing stuff, but then um, I Really I, like the way I wrote was always just like singing melodies <clears> first <throat> with my voice because I feel like what comes out um That way is is really what the song like wants, and you're writing based off of I guess like what you want to hear rather than what's convenient to play and you're not, yeah, you're just not letting convenience or comfort dictate your song writing. Um, and for me, I was like, okay, I really want to hear that. But the only way I can achieve that is if I like tune the string down. That's like, it's like I'm physically limited by my mortal hands. So it's like, I I just started playing around with different tunings. I, I even learned some songs from other bands that were in alternate tunings. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. So you're telling me I don't have to stay, stay in this tuning. I could like literally do anything I want as long as... My neck doesn't warp or like my strings don't snap or something. So um, I started having different guitars set up for different tunings, and I started like kind of just like deviating by maybe like a, a whole step or something. Um, and yeah, I actually I used to have like sixteen different tunings I played in, but then recently I just got really over switching out guitars live and and having to tune in between every song. So I think I stick um, I stick to like four four or five tunings these days. <laughs>
1: that's cool so you basically constructed them by ear it wasn't like i'm gonna tune this to this chord necessarily
0: i had like a like a bass one i think the first alternate tuning i ever experimented with was facgbe um it was for this song two moons by a japanese band called toe a toe I think it's toy but people say toe as well don't crucify me sorry if i pronounce it wrong um <laughs> But yeah, uh, I I started with that. I was like, okay, well, if I I can change the B to an A, I can change the B to a C, and I kind of just started from there. And and then I started doing even wackier things um, mm-hmm. as soon as I realized that, like, literally, as long as like you can play something with it, it doesn't matter what you tune your guitar to. That's Sometimes not- it's like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: Oh no, keep going, keep going. I have something to follow up say, on that.
0: I was gonna say it, it kind of reminds me of like. Sometimes when you work in standard, it's like you have, you get set in your chord shapes and you get set in like hearing certain things and you start to let just like what you're used to um, dictate what you're writing. Um, It's like working on a blank canvas. But for me, it's like if I tune it to like, let's say F-A-C-G-A-E or something, it's like a pre-worked canvas with a wash of color. So it kind of, there's already a little bit of inspiration there for you. And then you can just use that or you can just ignore it entirely and still use your ear to write. But I always like to compare stuff to the visual art world because that's my bread and butter. Like I started out painting and drawing. Um, so, yeah, I just feel like it's like a little splash of something different there to to shake up your comfort.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I have always used that as an example or an answer to the question, how do I break out of a rut? And I'm like, change the tuning on your guitar. It'll totally eliminate all your tendencies, and you'll be forced to. It sort of limits you in a lot of ways to yeah. be more musical, like you said, kind of singing melodies or, or what have you. It it forces you to be a little bit more musical in that way, and then uh, maybe all it takes is one chord to kind of bloom something brand new that never would have happened before.
0: Yeah, I think um, definitely when I'm in at R- I I like to change tunings. Um, and then I'm just kind of like hearing what I want to play and then just slowly figure out like it's definitely a slower process you're not going to just immediately shed because you're not comfortable at all you don't there's like shapes don't work anymore but I think like taking time to really put a lot of thought into your note choice and and choose the best possible iteration of like notes I guess I think that that's well worth it of course it's like coming from the school of composition there's people who like want to jam and i think that's completely valid too but for me i've always enjoyed like the process of like making the best decision um and taking time to really like meditate and reflect on the notes i'm using and and what would help um support my narrative the most uh i was gonna say another really way to really great way i get out of ruts is using a pedal like sometimes i don't know about you but like I, different pedals make me play different ways. Like when I plug into a chorus pedal, I write just like upbeat, poppy stuff. But then sometimes like I'm, i definitely new to like distortion and fuzz and all that stuff. Cause a lot of the things I used to play, the tappy finger style stuff don't sound great on fuzz. Cause it's like mud city.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't think a lot of fuzz pedals track great poly, uh, polyphonically. Um, but Definitely. Sometimes I'll plug into a fuzz pedal and I feel like I write this like grungier, darker things. And I, I tend to play more minimally because I'm I'm listening to like the decay of the fuzz and I'm really letting the tone be what gives the song character rather than how many notes I'm playing.
1: Yeah, that's a good point about fuzz. It, it's definitely more monophonic. But that can also be cool with your style if you do single lines and then pop it off for the more chordal stuff, pop it back on for like an emphasis on a melody line, one string tapping thing, what have you. Yeah. Maybe it's an idea for a pedal company. Make make some sort of polyphonic fuzz.
0: Um uh, there is one pedal that uh, I feel like it's not a fuzz pedal. It sounds like a fuzz pedal. I think it's actually a glitched out delay. That's the Mm -hmm. the whatever chip he has in there. But Dirge Electronics makes this cool pedal called the slowly melting and i feel like it actually tracks pretty great polyphonically i was it sounds like there's like like it sounds like somehow the clean tone is still there but then you just get a little like um like crispy around it i don't know how to describe it no these
1: are all these are all important terms to throw out there
0: (laughs) i feel like describing sound is such like a like a fickle thing like nobody knows what they're talking about some of these terms i hear people use to describe sound i'm like I, I guess, but like, I get it. But like, that's such a weird word to describe. Yeah. Like down, like S- a little sizzle.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's squishy. That's squishy compressor. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, cool. Let's move on to another batch of notes. You ready?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Can I the mic?
1: Yes, it is. That's a beautiful song. Uh, I I know you're a multi instrumentalist. Do you feel any sort of different vibe when you pick up an acoustic guitar versus electric? Since the acoustic is more in that like piano, violin family.
0: Acoustic yeah, definitely. I think on I started on acoustic guitar, so I've always yeah. like adored folk music too, and I think I'm a little more. I can get even more polyphonic on acoustic guitar because you you have less sustain to work with, and I feel like I just uh, I feel like I'm even more dynamic on acoustic guitar because like the strings really respond to touch. Um, maybe I'm just more delicate on acoustic guitar, and I tend to write stuff that sounds even more Midwest emo, <laughs> like super uh, super Wait, sad.
1: What's the de- so what's Midwest emo versus? Uh- what uh, California emo What, what are the differences there
0: you know that's a good question I think Midwest emo is coined just because like a lot of bands that are like the emo genre are just from the Midwest and they tend to be like twinkly there's like certain uh chords that they use all the time I don't know California emo maybe we have like a scram scene here I don't know if scrams is emo though we have more like screamo Hard yeah, that's
1: what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking more scream like wh- super polished um heavy guitar sounds. Like I'm I'm thinking uh Red Jumpsuit Apparatus or like uh, <laughs> something like that where it's it's got emo maybe lyrics and and <laughs> c- song construction but a little bit heavier pop influence too.
0: Yeah, I feel like emo is like is such a broad genre cuz Yeah. There's like Emo Night Emo where it's like, uh, panic at the disco. And then there's like Mineral and like, mm-hmm. you know, fans like, uh, like even Braid or something or Sunny Day Real Estate where I feel like if you played that at an Emo Night, people would be like, what is this?
1: People <laughs> <laughs> be like, hey, who, who's got the, uh, who's got the aux chord right now? What's going on here?
0: <laughs> I actually got reprimanded because I had to DJ at Emo Night in San Jose and I got reprimanded by the person running it because I was playing like, uh. Like mineral, and then it was just such a vibe kill. You know <laughs> what? Can dance to glory.
1: Yeah, I guess sometimes you have to read the room, but at the same time, come on, people, broaden your horizons.
0: Yeah, it was just funny because it went from like this upbeat room and to like everyone just standing still, kind of confused,
1: contemplating <laughs> their lives. Just like, oh yeah. man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: There was probably like one, a couple people were just like, "Eh, this is pretty awesome." They, yeah, they're
0: they, like, "Hell yeah!" They finally. kept their mouths <laughs>
1: shut. <laughs> Cowards Alright move on, move on to uh, another group of notes Here we go Farewell Yes it is And this is actually uh, This is pulled from one of your Instagram clips uh, I
0: record the tone Because the tone is different from the one on the album I actually like my Instagram clip tone better
1: Oh Are you going to do like Taylor Swift And re-record it
0: <laughs> uh, I always want to but I have to just remind myself move forward yeah. you can't be a perfectionist weirdo about everything
1: have you been you, I bet you've been writing a ton over the last year, like since your last album came out
0: yeah I, I wrote like half a new album for Covet and some acoustic stuff but the health thing kind of like put a damper in my productivity but I'm working on getting back mm. on my feet and being jumping in the creative process again I was actually going to rent a cabin somewhere just to write and record a new acoustic album, but my plans kind of fell through because of everything. But I'm still trying to schedule that in. I like having a change of environment. I like the energy change of a place. Yeah. Um, and then the habits you form at home. Like, every day you wake up, you walk the same way. You associate the same table with the same task, the same lamp with the same emotions. So I feel like having a new place with new emotions and new... Like, zero associations, actually. Just a blank slate. That could... It's, um, filled with crazy possibilities,
1: <laughs> I agree, so you kind of made waves in the uh I would say you know Instagram was pretty pivotal in getting you some exposure uh in the earlier days, and at this point, uh there have been so many discussions about the Instagram guitarist, and I don't know how you feel about that term. We can talk about it uh like when people say I'm a youtuber, I'm like... Eh. i i make videos on youtube but uh I, I imagine maybe it's the same way oh that's an instagram guitar. no I, I mean i post videos on instagram but i'm also a human guitarist uh yeah. so anyway you know like these messages don't look at don't look at all these people on instagram be yourself uh other older more established artists who kind of may write off instagram guitarist and then there's people who consider it to not really be a fair representation of the guitarist at all due to the multiple takes and it's like the 60 seconds of perfection my point is out of all this uh all this discourse is out in the open right now and we've had enough of a sample size where we know what social media is and how it's affected positively and negatively, I think mostly positively, uh, the guitar community. So, my question for you is where do you see people's perception of social media guitar players, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, uh, where do you see that going now that literally everyone has been forced into social media to continue their career as best they can, you know, without touring and things like that? That was the longest question of all time.
0: Oh, no, it's okay. Many great points were brought up. Uh, I'll address how I feel about those terms. Firstly, I guess, like, I've done a lot of work where, okay, actually, I got a guitar cover, um, which was amazing, but it killed me because they put, like, in big text, like, influencer, and I was just oh. like, are you kidding me? Like, that's so, I, that is so ass. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, I... I don't consider myself an influencer. I actually didn't even make my Instagram account. Like my art student made it for me. I was like kind of being a stubborn. I was like, I'm never gonna join social media. I'm gonna die with my space. I'm gonna sink with it. Like <laughs> And then like she was like, You need to get with the times, Miss Yvette. So I she made it for me and now it's it's like such um I wouldn't say it's a big part of my daily life. Certainly, uh, my relationship with social media has evolved with time and also has evolved alongside my career. Um, I guess, yeah, so how I feel about it is kind of like, oh, cringe at the term influencer content creator i've been called that as well and i've had to like say it in like a soundbite before and i did cringe as well but it's like i guess it's true though like we are at the end of the day we are creating content so there shouldn't be anything negative associated with that i think the the i I was trying to like analyze like why do i cringe at that and i think it's because there is this whole attitude of not taking people who are on social media like seriously like maybe they're like a lesser artist Mm -hmm. it's almost like um It's almost like how I felt in art school where it's, like, there's people who did commercial art and there's people who did fine art. And, like, I feel like fine art people were kind of, like, uh, commercial art. Like, it's not valid. It's not as deep or whatever. Um, Maybe some people have been feel like it's, like, a bastardization of, like, culture in general. Uh, But I definitely feel like maybe people's perceptions of that will change with time because everyone is kind of forced to get with the times these days like even people who refuse to go on social media <laughs> uh, had to get one and I feel like these days it, it, it is such at the end of the day when we look at what Instagram does for people's careers what YouTube does for people's careers it is such a powerful tool for branding yourself and marketing yourself and I think it has shifted the um I guess it shifted the norm of like what the music industry is and also has rendered some things obsolete. Like even like I'm on a label, I'm not talking shit about labels, but like you probably don't even need a label if you can like build your own brand on. I mean, I kind of, I kind of did that with Instagram initially. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think it can be a powerful tool. I think it uh, is very effective and I think it allows you to um, build community with so many amazing people. I know I met, so many awesome people through social media and I'm really inspired by what they're doing. And we, we keep in contact and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, with, with great power comes great responsibility. I think one thing that we're not ready for is, um, maybe we're not prepared to be this visible all the time. And then I know everyone, a lot of people struggle with depression comparing their own statistics to like other people's statistics on Instagram. So I think, um, I don't know. I think maybe social media has room for improvement. Like maybe we could take away the whole like number of likes thing to have make people have like a healthier relationship with um their craft. Because at the end of the day, I, I think it's only problematic when people start creating art for the sake of getting more engagement and start curating what they do to um what is gonna like figuratively like sell more. You know what I mean? Sure. I think that's when, um, maybe art dies, but if you're just making stuff to like have fun and, and you're not like caring about engagement or statistics, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Sorry. That was also a very convoluted long answer. <laughs> I feel like we could do an entire podcast on just that. It is,
1: but. it is, it is good though. All, 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 this conversation I think is important to, to have because, people don't, there's no blueprint for any of this and we're learning as we go how people feel about it, where it's, where you can kind of, like you said, when the, the art dies, when you stop making art for yourself and it's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of curated toward likes and views. Yeah. Um. So it's important to just keep throwing that message out there. I don't really know what else to do other than yeah. try and be a beacon of Uh, having fun as much as humanly possible every single time I post something it's never for anyone but me I always tell people like look at it through the lens of what you would want to be listening to or watching and Mm -hmm. if you like it then press the publish button if it's not exciting to you then it is a sign that it's probably not the right way to go
0: yeah I think um I mean, how I use social media, like Instagram, is I actually don't go on my feed ever. Like, I have certain people that if I think of, I'll check up on and I'll go, like, like their stuff. But I make it a thing to just post and leave so that I'm not infinitely scrolling. Um, I would say that I, when I started out, I used to post more, like, like personal stuff. But these days, I do treat it kind of like my business and it's like what I post is I have like an audience so I have to be mindful of of the messages that I'm putting out there so Mm -hmm. the only time I do curate what I do and I do put like thought into my post is when I'm like okay maybe this is like inappropriate for kids or maybe it's like I think this is a funny troll but like maybe it's not sending the best message out to people so I think because I have like a quote-unquote platform I have to be responsible and thoughtful And deliberate about like what I'm sending out there. So, but what you said really resonated me uh, with me is like, whatever I do, I just make sure that I'm stoked on it and I'm having fun and I don't care if people don't get it or like, it's not what they want to (laughs) hear.
1: Absolutely. So I do a pretty good amount of homework for these episodes and you, you may remember this and what you said sparked uh, my memory of seeing it in one of your videos uh, when you mentioned record labels and distribution and things like that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you, you said, I think it was, uh, your favorite tuning or a tuning that you really like is facade <laughs> because it's, a, it's a sonic metaphor for, uh, a reminder of the music industry, F A C A D E. And obviously this is a joke that you are making. It was like a whole joke video. It was, it was really funny. Yeah. Um, I, you were like promoting a tour or something, but, uh, I find that 50 – vet. tell me if I'm wrong. 50% of jokes are actually true. So, yeah,
0: there's a grain of truth to everything. Yeah,
1: joke. we don't have to unpack the music industry because um, honestly my role in the music industry has been awesome because I make my own rules and I distribute everything myself. Uh, I've never had a manager or anything like that. It's, it's kind of been a fun little secret hiding in plain sight uh, that a lot of musicians like we talked about have been forced to kind of learn and utilize over this past year have you learned anything new uh about being self sufficient in this business uh,
0: i would i will say that if you have a good work ethic and uh you just are disciplined with your schedule um okay so like being I I quit being an art teacher to pursue music. And one of the key things is just staying productive and having at least a little bit of structure dictating your week so that you're not just sitting around like, I think today I'll play Enter Sandman for like six hours. And, you know, like, yeah, I I have like a whiteboard where I keep all my riffs and I I have like a post-it notes thing where I, I figure out like, okay, this song's missing this section. So I have a little bit of like a visual or, um, representation of what I have to do and that helps me stay organized um I will say that having a manager helped me a lot because um like not everyone needs a manager and I certainly think you have to like reach a a certain point to justify I guess paying someone to keep track of stuff for you if you can like organize it all yourself that's great but what my manager helps me with is definitely asking for payment because I'm not the best at negotiating Mm -hmm. prices the curse of the artist I'll always just want to like calm people stuff but that I have to survive too so at the end of the day, doesn't that doesn't really work um and also he helps me he kind of uh he kind of pushes me to to do things that maybe like I wouldn't normally do I feel like um it's like someone who believes in you and and gets you to go out of your comfort zone a little more. I think that's like, that is a quality of like a good manager. Um, and he helps me keep my week even more structured because I have so many things that I have to like keep, keep in mind on top of like the, all the creative stuff that I have to do. Um, having someone just like fill in my calendar for me and make sure that I remember deadlines and remember things like is really helpful. Um, But you asked me about being self-sufficient and I went on a little tangent talking about how I have a manager.
1: No, no, that's important to know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, going back to the self-sufficient thing, definitely just having structure in your week and having discipline. And one thing that helps with having discipline is actually freaking loving what you're doing Mm
2: -hmm. because
0: most days I feel like when I sit down to write, I am clocking in. Like When I sit down, I spend maybe seven hours trying to write a song, or trying to finish a song. Um, some days I don't even like eat because I just am so absorbed in creating, creating stuff. Um, on those days, definitely doesn't feel like work because I'm just truly passionate and excited about what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's usually a good sign when you look up and an hour passed and it felt like a minute. And you're like, definitely. Oh, either I have a problem or what? That was really awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's days where i'll like write and then i'm like shaking and i realize that i hadn't eaten the entire day and i'm just like oh i guess i should like have a meal
1: <laughs> are you are you a coffee drinker or a tea drinker or anything during the day
0: uh i do enjoy tea it's the asian part of me i really like boba tea like milk tea okay. um it's like a very high school teenager thing to enjoy but um yeah, I, I don't drink much coffee because I feel like it makes me actually tired. I don't know if you experienced this, but it, yeah. for some reason, leads me.
1: Yeah, I've never been, uh, like, a lot of my friends who are are content creators, um, oh. <laughs> you know, the, those freaks, uh, they, people are like, yeah, I have, like, uh, you know, cup a few cups in the morning and then I'll have the after lunch cup or two and then I'll have a cup at like five o'clock. I'm just like, what are you talking about? I cannot imagine having that much coffee. But some people, it's just part of their life. And yeah, it's never been me. I've tried.
0: I I think I get nervous about becoming reliant on things like substances and and stuff like that. Don't worry, this isn't going to be like my straight edge TED talk. But like, (laughs) I just I feel like I don't know, I just I want to feel secure that I can get what I need to do done if I don't have like coffee, you know, like, and I think there's like many ways to naturally get energy too. I think naturally I'm a pretty energetic person, so that helps. Thanks, genetics.
1: (laughs) Great job. Uh, What is a, uh, what is a question that you wish you were asked on platforms like this, but nobody ever asks you?
0: Hmm. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. That
1: question—what <laughs> you <laughs> just it.
0: asked me—that
1: was it. It's an inception of
0: questions. Question inception, yeah. uh Hmm, maybe like I've been asked this, but I always like I do enjoy answering this, and I think it changes with time. I think people maybe asking me like, what, what would. What, when would I feel like successful?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is a good one.
0: Yeah, like what, what, at what point, like what concrete things, maybe concrete or abstract things would help, what, what, uh, would signify that I have succeeded in my goal as an artist?
1: (laughs) What are the concrete Um, things first?
0: Um, I always had this dream of opening like a songwriters camp for, for people who, maybe are going through depression or, or going through like some kind of like illness and, and need, um, to have some sort of therapy for me, it's, it, it's especially special to me because I songwriting for me has always been like an outlet and a source of therapy. And I got through, um, my personal illnesses, um, through just having guitars an outlet. And I, I just want to pay that forward. Like I want to, I'm such an advocate for like, I guess how, um, powerful of a of a of a thi- powerful and transformative of a thing music can be for people and their mental health so i think um the day i'm able to have the funds to open up a camp and and organize that i guess have the resources to make that a thing i'll feel like i succeeded
1: will it, will it be called event school of music will it be something more creative than that what will it be called
0: you know i haven't thought about it yet uh
1: I believe in self-actualization, so when you can see that billboard, with that billboard it becomes that much closer.
0: Cool. I was thinking um, of having maybe custom mouse pads for for this school, because <laughs> people be use mice still. So. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. just picture that custom mouse pad.
1: <laughs> picture the custom mouse pad, and the rest will come in time. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> I'm I i want to come to that camp too just to learn from your songwriting teachings. Uh, I, I think uh well it it is really impressive about like a lot of your songs are very long, you know? And uh <laughs> I I when I was learning to play guitar I would play along with like uh you know, Metallica. I think the longest song I ever played was Master of Puppets and it was like eight and a half minutes long. And I mem remembered all that, but a lot of it was repetitive. And, you know, you have sections of your songs that are, um, that repeat themselves, but it's so very intricate. And uh, I know you've talked a lot about your compositional process before, but I wonder if you are, like when I have an idea for a video, for example, sometimes I see the entire video before I even press record on the, on the first word that I say, do you ever have uh, songs like that where it's like this nine minute epic and you kind of see the entire song right 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 then and there or is, does it go riff by riff or how, how does it work for you and you can use a specific song as an example if you want to
0: there's songs songs that definitely come out quicker and more organically than others like um i never know how long a song's going to be I never know when my stopping point is, but I just know when I'm there. Like, I have the feeling, I'm like, this is complete. Mm. And then I can set it down. And certainly there's times where I've written, like, a song in one sitting. I didn't see it immediately, but, like, I had a riff, and then I just immediately knew where it wanted to go. I, like, heard it. And then it just was, like, easy, like, just getting to the end and finalizing it. But then other songs definitely took more... More thought, um, and that's where my post-it note situation, uh, sorry, um, system comes into handy because I have I name all my riffs different things. Like a lot of my songs are just big run-on sentences of like different riffs that I, I enjoy. Like I get off on trying to figure out how to make everything flow. Mm-hmm. I really care about flow um, and phrasing and stuff. So um, I'll have the post-it notes. I'll be like, Oh, this is the gnarly villain riff. This is like the uh crystal cave riff and then i'll be like okay like how do i get gnarly villain riff to flow into crystal cave riff to flow so i have like the the visual organization of it like, okay it's missing like a climax or it's missing an intro it's missing you know a bridge or something like that and then um then it becomes about problem solving about how can i patch up this gap that it needs to like flow from a to c what's going to be b you know right um so, yeah, there's, there's songs where it's more, like, problem solving um, and figuring out how I want to complete the story. Uh, so, yeah, I guess a song, an example of a song that flowed really naturally, Parachute. I was just like, mm-hmm. I know exactly how I want it to sound. I can sing it. Like, I can immediately hear what I want to play. Um, song maybe that f- flowed less organically. Maybe um, Nero, that one mm-hmm. was it. That was pretty long, and it's like a lot of different sections tacked together. But um, I, I had more gaps that I had to fill in in that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very. Uh, you you started playing piano first, and that maybe influences a lot of the way you compose because it is it, the cool thing about your songs. I think is they can be in the full band context or they can be on solo instrument, and they could be probably transcribed for many different instruments um piano being one of them you know any any sort of polyphonic instrument um and that i think that's a a sign of a really good song when you can do that um so i think i think it's fun to uh to compose because i i'm a guitar player through and through and uh a lot of the music i write i like composing textures and different guitar parts so it would be impossible for my music to translate to that a lot of the time but then i find my favorite songs are actually the ones where I could just play the chords and like a chord melody simultaneously. I'm like, oh yeah. And I feel like that, you know, it's not always the, the truth, but a lot of the best songs are like that, where it's just the chord and the melody uh, happening, happening together and you kind of inherently write like that. So that's, that's fun for you.
0: Yeah, it's I guess it does come from maybe my piano background where I'm like thinking about I'm always thinking polyphonically and I'm always thinking, like, how can I sound just like a complete song by myself? And I don't rely on like anything, even pedals like there's been shows where uh, my pedal board crapped out on me and I'm like,
2: oh, I oh that's the worst. Just,
0: I know. Right. <laughs> I'm like, OK, thank God I can still just plug into my amp dry and play this (laughs) like have it maybe it's not as like texturally interesting but the melody is there
1: (laughs) yeah and it it doesn't lose as much uh, had you not had that that's cool I want to loop in your guitar supervillain alter ego as we wind down here so I have one final question for you this is your chance to be villainous if you'd like okay what do you believe about guitar that most guitar players might think is crazy? This could be a hard truth that guitar players must hear, or something you know that others don't, maybe a misconception about the instrument, or whatever you want. What do you have to I'm say?
0: Gonna, I'm going to get roasted for this. No, but no, I'm no. Fully, this is a I'm safe fully, space. I'm fully prepared for the repercussions of what I'm about to say. I'd like to preface what I'm about to say with saying that I freaking love guitar. I think it's, it's so fun. It's like my, like, it's my newest instrument out of the three I play and it's just really, I feel like I've grown with it the most and it resonates with me the most maybe. Um, and it's, it's fun. It's cool. You know, uh, But I will say that it's, like, not a very intuitive instrument for songwriting. It's not the best instrument. It's actually quite limiting for songwriting. I feel like the best instrument in the world is actually piano because it's, like, I mean, okay, maybe you can't do, like, microtonal bend stuff with piano, but like at least piano as a songwriting tool, it's it's linear. It's spelled it's spelled out for you, your left hand, right hand. It's great for writing polyphonically. It's great for ear training. Um, guitar is a bunch of nonsense. Like you can play the same chord in like like four or five different like you know what I mean? Like it's just not linear, it's not intuitive. So I feel like it's a horrible intr- instrument to start on, and it's not good for songwriting. Oh, so cool. oh, oh. I love guitar.
1: Here's the quote. Yvette Young, guitar is a horrible instrument to start on. Guitar world, run with it, my friends.
0: Hey, you know what? <laughs> if they're gonna call me an influencer, might as well. You're about to influence
1: of- the shit out of these kids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the most, the most hated guitar influencer of twenty, of the twentieth century, twenty <laughs> first <21st> century. <laughs>
1: Yvette Young, with her signature Ibanez guitar, says guitar sucks. <laughs>
0: I love guitar, but you know yeah. what? Okay, I'm just gonna go full out and say I love piano more. I, think. I don't know.
1: I actually agree with you that piano. I've always said piano is the ultimate instrument because yeah. you can just. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I I'm ill equipped to expand on why I think it is, other than the fact that it just encompasses the entire sonic range, and you can do things on piano that you just can't do on guitar without like a loop pedal and like. Yeah. You know, from the from the purely fingers on the instrument uh, perspective, I find that the piano is heads and shoulders above uh, all the other instruments. And it's just like you sit down at a piano and somebody starts playing; it's like, oh, yeah. you know. I don't know. I've always wanted to do to be as proficient on piano as I am guitar. I'm just not disciplined enough at this point. Um, it
0: helps with finger dexterity. Just having yeah. playing scales. Like I grew up just running scales. Like Um, and it really just helps you build finger strength. It helps you visualize um, music better because you have the black keys and the white keys, and you can see, like, what accidental notes you're using. Triads are just very, like, straightforward. You're not having to do weird shapes on it. I feel like it's easy to play. You're not having to deal with, like... The challenging thing about stringed instruments is that you not only have to consider, like, what notes you're playing, but also, like timbre is really influenced by how your finger sits on the string so for a lot of people starting a guitar it's frustrating because you're like oh man like I can't even get the string to sound good so the cool thing about piano is like as long as you tap that key it sounds great and I mean of course like there's still dynamic range to be considered but yeah I think just having everything spelled out in like a linear way makes it really easy to understand theory um Mm -hmm. not that I even really use much theory in writing, but I think for a beginner, it's important to be able to see all that, um, and I think it helps you build right hand and left hand independence because you can do one thing on the lower notes and then do a, a different thing on the right hand. So it's like being able to do like this thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a it's a superior instrument. Sorry, guitar players. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. So, Yvette, uh, as we wind down here, I'd like to thank you for uh, taking your time to be on Guitar Villains. Uh, It's been awesome to chat with you, and I'll look forward to seeing what's next, what treacherous plots you devise in your future musical endeavors.
0: Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. These were really fun questions. (laughs)